Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? Welcome to the show. Got a great show planned for you. We're going to open the show by talking about how to heal and also in, in talking about how to heal. Also, there's going to be a discussion of how to prevent infidelity. Um... Now, as always, I want this topic to be one that we use to self-reflect. We're looking at ourselves first. Are we doing this? Are we not doing this? So I'm talking to the person who's cheating or creating or has had the infidelity. But then I'm also talking about those that have been victimized by it. So it's conversation for both. Um, it's something that we might all encounter. Uh, again, I don't make the rules, just sharing stats. Uh, depending on the research you look at, anywhere from 50 to 70% of all relationships have someone cheating or someone cheated. Uh, very high number. <laughs> and honestly, it's not that everyone's horrible. It's that I think on one hand, we're not in relationships that are healthy. And so a lot of relationships are operating from a place of a toxic form of monogamy. I'm not saying monogamy is inherently toxic, but the ways we tend to do it are toxic. We've talked about that on the show. We will talk about that again, but we uh, run our relationships from a place of not love and not care. And we don't have honest discussions about who we are and what we need and how we're feeling. And that can be part of what causes someone to go into some infidelity. It's a horrible thing to do to someone. It breaks a lot of trust. It takes away your partner's um, autonomy because they're not able to be part of the solution by being told that there's a problem. Uh, cheating is an attempt to heal something. It's an attempt to get a need met. But it's a dishonest. It's a dishonest way of going about doing it because whatever it is you're trying to solve or get in that infidelity or cheating, I'd want you to be able to discuss with your current partner before making that choice, saying this is what's missing, this is what I need, or this is what's not working in my relationship versus taking this really damaging, unfair way of getting that solved. And everyone's harmed. The person you're maybe cheating with is harmed. I don't know what their understanding is. I'm not sure what's going on in their life, what they want. So I want to just round that out and say, you know, we're not, I'm not putting any judgment on. It's very, you know, messy, unkind thing. I'm really just looking at how it comes to be, how to prevent it, the damage it does. And it harms everyone involved. It's very unfortunate. You put friends and family members involved sometimes because they have to take a stance, choose a side. Sometimes they are given information and asked to keep secrets. And that's not fair because that happens. You know, you'll tell a mutual friend or someone in your life that you're doing this or that this is happening. And then they are like torn. Should I tell the partner who's being cheated on? Should I not? It becomes a very messy, unfair thing, all because 
this person who chooses the infidelity wasn't able to go to their partner and maybe their partner isn't safe to be approached. So sometimes that's my point is the work is about creating relationships where we are accessible, where we are safe to be gone to with difficult information. So we can be a part of that discussion. We always aren't. Or someone doesn't have the maturity or, or the confidence or the verbiage to make requests. Some people are people pleasers and they're used to relationships of deprivation and they don't know how to go to a partner. Like I said, the partner's not safe to be gone to, or we've both left the relationship. Um, so there's so many reasons as to why, and today's show is not about the whys. It's really about um, how to get back in our relationships. So if you're currently cheating or you've stopped cheating and you're wondering, how do I reconnect? How do I revive? How do I go back to my partner? Um, whether your partner's aware or not, we're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about how to be on the receiving end and how to welcome back in a partner. Because when we find out that harm has been done, we have to choose to um, renew the relationship and say, let's learn about ourselves through this, or you release it and move on. But if you choose to stay, the work is for all parties in the relationship to look at themselves. Because even though you might've been harmed by being cheated on, you still are in that relationship and you still have to look at what might have you been a co-creator in, in, in building that maybe led them to not be able to find another solution. So again, you might be victimized, but there's still work for you to do. And that's hard for victims to be told and, and to step into, but that's that's the mature ending point. Your, your work in healing from being cheated on is not complete until you've done the final piece of saying, okay, what was my role in this? I'm not responsible for someone cheating. I didn't cause them to cheat, but I am part of a system that they were also a part of that might have not been healthy or right for them. And I have to take responsibility at least for that. Because when we're in a primary committed relationship, our partners are in our care and we are responsible for what we co-create with them, what we put them through and what we bring into the marriage or the relationship, 100%. And that's really hard for the victims to look at, but that is the insight. You have to be willing to get some insight about yourself. And if not, the healing will never be fully complete. And you might not really be in a place to renew that relationship because you do have to look at your part in that. But yes, the larger, larger bit of work is around the accountability for the person who chose to take that infidelity or cheating as their solution. No one's let off the hook in that. Um, and this is also, sadly, like I said, with the stats, it shouldn't be, but 50 to 70% of relationships have someone cheating or someone has cheated. So it's sadly not a matter of if you've been cheated on, but maybe when, and that's why this conversation can be preventative. But hear me say once a cheater, not always a cheater. People do grow. People do change. I see people stop abusing. I see people work on their anger. I see people get off of a problematic relationship with drugs and alcohol, work on their eating disorders, and people learn how to be a better partner. If we don't believe that change is possible and once a cheater, always a cheater, then you shouldn't be listening to my show and I should quit my job because my job as a therapist and this show is dependent upon the idea that people grow and change. And having done this for almost 20 years, I promise you they do. Stick around. We got more to come. You're listening to Loveline. Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey will be right back. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. 
Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did-we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast so as we're talking about those um cheating stats are quite profound and quite scary and i don't want them to make us all paranoid and lose trust i want them to say all right we got some work to do because if culturally we are creating marriages and relationships uh that are such that people feel as though they need to cheat want to cheat don't feel like they have any other choice we have to look at what's going on how is this coming to be because if we have a 50 to 70 percent rate of people cheating something systemically and culturally is off because ready for this one i'm not saying it's okay, it never is okay. But however, if 50 to 70% of people is cheating, then that's called a norm. That is an expectation. Why is it normal then for most people, 50 to 70% to cheat? More people are cheating than they're not. And yes, it depends on your operational definition of cheating. And yes, it depends on the population we're talking about. But looking at those numbers globally, more people cheat than don't. So it's a normal thing to cheat. Why? What are we doing? What are we building? What are we creating? What are we not doing that is leading that many people to make that choice? We have to look at it like that. Sociologically, psychologically, we're pulling judgment out of it because we've already decided it's a really harmful, toxic, messy thing to do. Don't do it. But we have to look at why is this, how is this coming to be? And it really becomes, as I said earlier, a, a conversation around the problematic and toxic ways that we are running our relationships and marriages. They're setting people up to feel as though this is the only solution. Uh, we have couples that are, you know, demanding monogamy, but not willing to have sex, which means you're forcing your partner into celibacy. That's a form of psychological and emotional abuse. Hear me say that. Really profound, punchy statement, probably controversial. If you want a monogamous relationship with someone, you then are saying you are open to having sex with them. You can't say to someone, I want us to 
collaboratively decide that we're only going to have sex with each other, but then I'm also not going to let you have sex with me. That isn't okay. But that has to be a discussion. Before you choose monogamy, you have to talk about, are you sexually compatible? Are you willing to be and show up as their sex partner? Or are you taking sex away from them? That's in there. The fact that we think relationships are about ownership and that you own someone. And then we let go of our boundaries and we're telling them what to do. We're telling them who their friends can be. We're being emotionally abusive. We're going through their phones. We have no boundaries, no privacy. That's not okay. Are we creating relationships where we can be transparent and honest about what we're needing, what we're thinking, and what we're struggling with, with self and other? Are you building a relationship where your partner can come to you and say, I need to have a really hard conversation with you that you're not going to like about how we're treating each other, about how this marriage feels, about the sex we're having or not having. You need to be accessible. We all do. Because that is another way to prevent this. Also, as I say on the show all the time, we have to stay in the stages of courtship. I think we let love and eroticism drift, but then we act shocked when our partners or ourselves are trying to find access to romance and sex somewhere else. We have to keep it alive in our current relationships. We also, again, have to be a kind of relationship and partnership where we can talk about its loss and how we miss it and get back to it. You have to always keep romancing and flirting so as to keep that alive and accessible. Otherwise, it's understandable that those needs are getting met somewhere else. Not always sexually, not cheating. Again, I'm not saying that's the way to go, but that is how people often go because we're not doing the work. We're not being good partners. We're not focusing on what's important. We're focusing on work. We're never home. We are you know, not participating in our relationship or in our family. And then we're wondering why people are drifting, looking for these needs to get met elsewhere. They're healthy needs. Let's get them met within our relationship. So don't let the romance phase fade. I don't agree that at some point that has to all go. That goes because we let it go. That is the problem. We let it drift. We don't keep it alive. We don't every single day compliment romance and flirt with our partners and keep it alive and prioritize it. That's why it goes, not because it's a natural thing that has to go. We become disenfranchised. We stop doing the work. We don't act like partners that are worthy of being romanced or cared for. It's systemic. We're all a part of that. If you're in a relationship, Again, you are part of some of that foundational stuff, if not some other stuff. And then we start seeking what's lost in the relationship outside the relationship versus maintaining it, realizing it's gone and we we are thinking about going and getting it and instead coming back and recreating it or realizing it's not going to be there and just leaving. Don't stay and cheat. Go. Don't stay and cheat. Recreate it with your partner. Don't stay, you know, stay and cheat, maintain it and never let it drift. Those are solutions. Keep it, realize it's gone, recreate it, realize it's not coming back or you don't want it with that partner and leave. Those should be the options, not cheating. Because whatever you're looking for out there, find in here, whatever you're looking for outside your relationship, find or recreate or rebuild in it, or again, release it, realizing you don't want to, or you can't, or it's too late, or too much damage is done. But that's the most important part. We somehow let ourselves off the hook by saying, I'm not going to get home. I'm going to get it elsewhere. I'm sorry. Grow up. Go back home. Sit your partner down and tell them that you miss it, that you want it. Make it collaborative. Sometimes in healthy relationships, you can even say, my mind has been wandering and considering cheating. I need to let you know because I want a very intimate, transparent relationship and I don't want to do that. We really need to talk about starting to have sex more or a different kind of sex or couples therapy or spending more time together, prioritizing ourselves, working less, attending family events. That's all part of how we prevent cheating and infidelity from happening for ourselves and for our partners because we're all in this together. 
But again, it's the key is putting that energy that you're giving elsewhere back into your relationship or realizing you won't or can't and leaving. But, but instead, some people choose this other option of I'm going to stay and just make us both miserable and harm us both. Or I think my partner won't ever know. Oh, they'll know emotionally. They might not be able to pinpoint it, but they're going to notice that you're absent or they're going to notice that you're showing up differently somehow. And it shouldn't be about getting caught. It should be about your integrity. Maybe you'll never get caught. Maybe you will get caught, but I want your integrity to say to you, there's other options. And I care about my partner too much to do this to them. I need to bring them into my struggle and whatever I'm trying to work out and help them and let them be a part of that solution. It's very painful and very emotionally violent to make decisions that impact a partner without letting them know there's a problem so they can be a part of that change. Just like when I see a client say to a partner, I want a divorce. And the partner's like, where's this coming from? And they've never brought it up. They've never brought it in. They've just let it build and they've let it build. And then the question is, did the person who wants to leave never really bring it in? Or is the person who's being left never been safe enough to be told that something's wrong. All right, when we come back and keep talking about infidelity and cheating, you're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. Oh, Rachel, we're back talking about cheating, um, infidelity, very harmful, very toxic, also just very unfair and unkind. And I don't want it to be about whether or not you get caught. I want it to be about integrity. And that should say, I don't want to harm someone else. Um, and I also don't want to harm myself and I want to have the kind of relationship where we talk about what's wrong and I can try to get my needs met in the relationship that I'm going out of the relationship to get met. And if I'm not willing or able to do that, then I should release my partner as opposed to trying to keep all options and have everything and harm them and harm myself. It's a really difficult stage. Um, but for those that have decided to release, God bless, but for those that have decided to renew and maintain and recreate their primary relationship, here's the work. First, you have to look at what was the core problem? What needs were you trying to get met? What was that about? Why did you need to go elsewhere versus being in, inside? Is it because the relationship isn't feeling good? Is it because monogamy is not working for you and you need to be honest about that and say, I'm looking to have a more open style? Is it the kind of sex you're having? Is it that you don't feel important? Is it that you miss romance? What is it? Identify that. Identify what the problem is. Identify what you think the infidelity is going to solve. What are you attempting to seek in that? More fun, more dynamicism, freedom. Figure it out. And you need to bring that back to your partner and talk about it. If you have the kind of relationship that can't tolerate that much honesty and intimacy, work on getting to that. Give yourself a six-month, a three-month, a six-month, a one-year plan of we're going to work up to so much closeness and intimacy that I can that they'll be able to tolerate and we can actually talk about this because that might be an indicator that you have a very low intimate relationship. Your relationship can handle conflict, a lot of difficult conversations, and they need to be able to. When you realize, though, that I can bring this to my partner, the first question is, after we decide, like, what's the core issue here? What am I trying to solve? Then we have to move those exits. We have to close the windows and close the doors. Don't set yourself up for failure. I mean, one of the number one places that infidelity happens is in the workplace because you're spending a lot of time around these individuals. A lot of emotional intimacy can be built. But if you're transparent with your partner about what's going on at work and your needs are getting met at home and you are prioritizing your partner at home, that's closing a door and closing a window. But if you don't have intimacy at home and your partner has no idea about your work life and you're spending a lot of time with these people, that's a problem. Because the magic formula is secrecy, and attraction. If you're attracted to someone, don't keep it secret. 
I want you to be in an honest partnership. You can say, yeah, I have an attraction to this colleague at work. I'm working on the boundaries. Some partners are threatened and can't tolerate that. Kind of a bummer. I wish we were more emotionally mature and robust, but that's okay. But you at least identify it in yourself and you say, listen, the magic formula, secrecy, time together and attraction, I'm setting myself up to fail. So knowing I'm attracted to that person, knowing I'm still in a monogamous relationship, I'm not gonna spend time with them. I remove the time part or I remove the secrecy, like I said, by telling people. You know, you just say, I have a crush on someone at work and I'm working on managing that better. A lot of people, again, like aren't, aren't really ready for that, so you remove the time together. But again, attraction, secrecy, and time together is the magic trifecta that will lead to problems. Don't spend time alone with that coworker. If you have to spend time with them at all, you put your primary partner first. That's part of being in a primary partnership. You consider the impact everything has on this person that you've consciously and unconsciously committed to. You don't things that you don't do things that will harm them or the relationship. But you have to identify the high risk people, places, and things and do whatever you need to do. That's the first piece. Think about that. And if you're not willing to do that, I think that's a really big question as well. Why am I unwilling to do that? Then we move into recreating the stages of courtship, starting to attract your partner again. What makes you feel attractive? What makes them feel attractive? Starting to attract them. Then starting to romance them again. What are the things you did? Here's how, you, here's how we always know. You know what you need to do because you did it in the beginning. What did you do in the beginning to get your partner to become your partner or your, or your husband or wife? That's what you need to start doing again. What were the little things in the beginning that brought you together that were, that, that were romantic? Recreate that. It's a recreation. Maybe it's, maybe it's a total renewing because maybe you've grown and you've changed. But when, for people that say, I don't really know what I need to do, I always say, go back to the basics of what you did in the beginning because it obviously worked. So we're recreating. So again, the first step is identifying the issues that we're trying to solve that need to be resolved in the relationship. Then we're looking at the high-risk situations, people, places, and things that might set us up to fail or have in the past. Then we're moving into a recreation of the stages of courtship, re-romancing, re-flirting, re-attracting, re-sexualizing. And we're going to then stay in that. It's not it's not a um, tactic to get someone, which is how we culturally see it. It's why we have partnership to, to have access to romance and flirtation and attraction. So why would we ever let that go? We didn't do that as a way to get someone, which is again, how we see it. We, 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 we enter relationships so as to have that always around us. It shouldn't just be, it's kind of like someone standing outside of a restaurant with those little samples. And you're like, awesome, I'm trying that so I can go into the restaurant and be surrounded by that and have more. But imagine going to the restaurant and they're like, oh, we just used that to get you in here, but there's nothing on the menu here once you're inside. It's like, well, wait a minute, that's not what the purpose of a restaurant is. I'm here to eat and to have access to different foods. That's the same thing with the relationship. We don't use romance and flirtation and courtship to get them and then it's gone once they're in it. We do that. So as to get them into a relationship with us to then continue doing that. We're going to take a moment. We'll be back. We're going to keep talking about infidelity and cheating. We're going to do some DMs first. Stick around. Listen to Love Line with Dr. Chris, Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right. We are back. And uh, gosh, looking at this article, here's the headline. Apps promised a sexual revolution, but they just made dating weird. 
I know y'all hang in there. Uh, new people joining every day. Just a reminder for those that are single looking for love. Uh, apps are difficult. I'm always trying to challenge everyone to bring a little bit more care and compassion to them, some more ethics. But uh, just remember, that's not the entire world. Don't let your experience of the apps and the people you're meeting on them be something that you universalize. That is but a moment in time. Those are the people that are on there right now. There is more to come. Hang in there. There's tons of people that exist that are single and but possible match that are out in the world that aren't even on those apps. So don't don't shrink the whole world down to just what you're seeing. And also remember that we have more time. A lot of people go on those apps and they're like, I gotta find something today or I gotta find something now. Gotta kinda let go a little bit. Um but now it is time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, I love listening to your show and uh, made me think about self-esteem. How do you find self-love to rebuild self-esteem after a painful breakup? Ah, painful breakups, I know. Breakups, you know, they, they exist for a while. They can leave a little bit of, they can leave echoes, as we say, where... Um, after a breakup and after whatever's gone on, um, you know, we are left with whatever was said to us last or whatever kind of struggles we had. So I always remind people first off that whatever came out of that relationship, some, some of those things are about who you are and you want to be aware of that moving forward. And some of that's just about what you and this individual co-created and it's about the person you were with and it's not something about yourself. So just remember that. Also, it's important to spend time around people that care about us so they can reflect back our worth and our value. So make sure you are spending time around people that you connect with so you can be reminded of the awesome person that you are. Um, also just, you know, move into the world, experiencing the newness and the novelty that's ahead of you. Um, there's something about pushing forward and trying out all these new things that maybe we've kind of let drift from our lives, reconnecting with people, reconnecting with hobbies, things like that. But the main pieces are spending time around people that reflect back our worth and value, spending time in social spaces that are important to us and they kind of ground us in our identity and who we are in the world. And um, also just being thoughtful about taking time away from that past relationship. And what I mean by that is not spending time ruminating about what went wrong, what does that say about you, what are the things that you walked away internalizing about who you are. It's really easy to do that. And also to feel unlovable. Again, getting back out there in the dating world is a really good way for a lot of people to be reminded of their worth and value and also their desirability and to also be reminded that there's more to come. And even if you're not ready to date, sometimes just kind of being on the apps or out in the world flirting a little bit or just moving through the world, acknowledging all the single individuals that exist can also be really healing. Um, but ideally, we're not in relationships with people that really erode at our self-esteem. And so it's just about accepting that not every relationship has longevity and that doesn't have to be a commentary on, on who you are or your worth or again, what's possible moving forward in your life otherwise. So just kind of be where you're at, but think about re-entering the dating world. And again, if not, just be spending time in people, you know, with people and in places and with things that really remind you of your worth and value. Um, I think a breakup can also be something that can have a spiritual aspect to it if you choose to see it that way, where we can learn about who we are and, um, and we're forced to look back at the gifts that maybe the relationship gave us, even if it didn't progress in the ways we wanted, even if there was some harm that was done in it. It can also have been of value. Some people got into relationships during COVID and then got out of them right afterwards. And that wasn't wasted time. That still provided some really beautiful moments and maybe someone kept you company through that time. Don't throw away the entire relationship um, 
just because it didn't have longevity, that doesn't mean there wasn't some beautiful moments. And often when we think back, we realize we're happy to have had what we had. It can't be about waste. You know, the worth of something isn't rooted in its length of time. So be very cautious about that. Sometimes people kind of reframe who they are in the relationship because it didn't last forever. Don't do that. Um, I think that's the worst part of a breakup is devaluing what you had because of the length of time it existed. I hear that happening all the time. So we got to be better than that. All right. We will be back. Uh, Want to check out past episodes? Go over to wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for the show, click on it. It's all there. And if you got questions for us, drop it in the DMs, the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Otherwise, stick around, y'all. More to come. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, we're back with everyone's favorite topic. Just kidding, just kidding. Um, We're talking about how to prevent ourselves from cheating and infidelity because we're always looking at ourselves first. And we're kind of talking about why, how, what happens, the dynamics of it, and just talking about a lot of things, that there's a lot of different reasons as to why someone might choose that their relationship isn't worth treating fragilely or preserving. And you got to look at that. What have you helped create within the relationship that makes you think, I don't mind harming this? What work needs to be done? Because whatever needs you're getting met outside the relationship, you're supposed to be getting met within. Is your partner not approachable? Bam, we got to talk about that, work on that, maybe some couples therapy. Are you not able to be transparent and really step into the intimacy? of anxiously sharing what it is that's missing and what you need? Is it because you're putting yourself in high-risk situations, the trifecta of a lot of time together with someone that you're attracted to and it's kept secret? Those are the three things you want to avoid um, because that's what really sets us up. We're talking about, again, bringing back to the relationship what it is you're trying to find elsewhere, Uh, really identifying those problems and then removing those high risk, high risk situations, and then recreating the stages of courtship with your partner, attraction, romance, flirtation, and keeping them. But then there's this other piece about rebuilding the friendship because there's a lack that, okay, friendship is one of the most important signs that a healthy relationship, well, that a relationship is healthy and that it will have sustainability. But it's also a dishonoring of that if we're doing something to harm our partner. And so just starting to enjoy each other again as people, Because cheating isn't always, and infidelity isn't always about sex. Sometimes it's about just getting important parts of you mirrored back, getting attention, getting care, having a friend again, having some of that early romance. But all of that can occur in your your present relationship and in fact has to. But if you don't want that and you can't do that, exit. Own it and exit. Let both of you move on and be happy. But really work on getting back to building that friendship. And so it really becomes this global question of what does your primary relationship need from you? And really centering that, um, we want to we want to really, really, really make the relationship worth wanting. It's kind of like when we talk about people that are in relationships where sex isn't really happening. I say, well, is the sex worth wanting? Have you created a sex life that is arousing enough and interesting enough to drive you back? Is your marriage is is the core of your marriage a relationship that you desire and enjoy and want to be a part of? And if not, again, create that. Examine what's gotten in the way of that. Do that couples and relational work individually or clinically, but that work has to get done. Um, and then we look at a couple other factors because we always got to stay in. Um, we got to always stay in the here and now. Let's look at technology for a second because 
technology is a big part of this these days. You know, back in the day, pre-technology, you could only have infidelity with those you could meet in the world. So it usually happened at work. Maybe if you were on a business trip or at a bar, but it was generally work-related. Now, people, it's happening on Facebook. It's happening on Instagram. It's happening on people literally downloading dating apps. So you got to look at your relationship to technology. If you're currently in a relationship and it's currently monogamous, be very thoughtful about the conversations you're stepping into. Don't let yourself get pulled into or, or you know, dragged into something. Um, for some people, they just stay out of the DMs or they get really good at setting boundaries or posting pictures of them with their partner, um, sharing an account, whatever it is you need to do, but really pay attention to your technology use. What is it you're seeking? Is it attention? Is it novelty? Is it excitement? Again, can you get that from your current partner? If not, can you talk to your partner about being more comfortable with you getting it elsewhere? Some couples are down with something that's more monogamish, where they're like, listen, don't physically have sex with someone, but if you want to flirt, do your thing. If you want to do some picture exchange, do your thing. You might even be surprised. Your partner might be like, yeah, let's have an open relationship. I'm totally down with that. But it was never brought up. It was never discussed. It was never made a possibility to be talked out. I've seen it happen in my office where someone's like, yeah, I just don't know that I'm cut out for monogamy, which is a fair thing to say. There's nothing wrong with you if you can't do monogamy. It's nothing. There's nothing wrong with you if it's hard for you. But some of us need to realize it's too hard or we're not set up that way or we're just not sexually oriented towards one partner. Own it so that your partner can decide if they want to be a part of something more open or if it's time for them to exit. But bring them into that. But I want to first by saying it's okay to realize you aren't built for or don't want monogamy. We have to start making that acceptable. But that has to be something your partner's brought into because we only practice ethical non-monogamy. You are not being non-monogamous and definitely not ethically if you're making that decision unilaterally without your partner being aware and included in that. But that is something to be able to talk about. But my point was, I've seen in my office, people bring that up and the partner being like, yeah, thank you for bringing it up. I'm down for that. Let's try that. And they're shocked. But I want you to have healthy enough relationships where you can at least bring it up to talk about it. And it doesn't have to be threatening. It's not a demand, but it's a topic for discussion and your partner gets to weigh in on it. That's an act of care and respect. But we got to look at our technology use. Are you misusing it? What are you using it for? Are there other ways to get those needs met? Do you need to take a break? Do you need to hold better boundaries? Ask yourself about that. Technology was not created to make our lives harder. Instagram is not there to make our lives harder. We have to use it versus it using us. So really, really examine all of that, all the different ways and technologies and, and vehicles that you're using to make your life harder or more complicated. And let's kind of reorient that. Um, coming up next, we're going to keep talking about infidelity and cheating. Got a DM for us. We'll be closing out the show with DMs. So drop those questions in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Stick around though. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, y'all, we are back talking about dun, 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 cheating, infidelity. It's not a kind thing, but it's a sign that maybe something's wrong within your relationship or some work that you're not willing to do yourself. Why are you not able to discuss with your partner what it is that needs to change or what's not working? Is it that your partner is not approachable and they're very dysregulated and very punishing? Well, that's a global issue that needs to be addressed. Maybe now's the time to step into that. Have those conversations with them. Get into some couples therapy. Or is it something on your end that you're not willing to acknowledge what you need or what's missing and you're not willing to step into your anxiety and create that? Maybe you're leaving all these gray areas alive. You're spending secret time with someone you're attracted to. That's a risk. Maybe your technology, you don't have great boundaries. You're on there allowing a lot of lapses. 
Um, more importantly, though, it's about looking at the relationship. And if you're on the receiving end of cheating, of course, you were victimized by that, but you're a part of that relationship in that system. And at some point, whether you like it or not, you do need to do the courageous work of looking at what was your part of creating a marriage or a relational system that made this person feel like they couldn't come to you with the issues or made them feel as though they could only get their needs met outside the relationship. You do need to look at that. A lot of people struggle with that as though it's saying you're responsible. No, nor I did absolutely did not say that. I said you are in fact victimized, but you have a role in the creation of the relationship that they were willing to maybe not treat with careness. And maybe you don't have much of a role in that, but most of the time there is work to be done or there is something we can learn about ourselves. Always be open to the learning moment. That isn't you taking responsibility for someone else's behavior. It's you being a, a healthy adult saying, I do want to learn how to be better as a result of this. What can I take away from this horrible event? Also, we have to look at the triggers. Again, we want to understand how this came to be. What is What need is trying to get met? Because again, we're often going outside of the relationship to get things that are meant to be gotten inside or get them met in a non-sexual way. We don't have to sexualize a lot of these needs. If you don't feel like your partner is able to meet some of your needs emotionally, it's okay to have what we call friendships. Friendships serve the purpose of giving us some of those relational needs. We cannot expect our primary partner to be everything to us and to meet every need. That is ridiculous, that is unfair, and that is not what this, the norm is. That's why friendships exist. That's why we relate to other people. But you gotta do it in an appropriate way with the right boundaries in place. And that moves us into the second point, which is beware of your drug and alcohol use around other people because we inherently use drugs and alcohol to inhibit, to remove our inhibitions. And our executive function goes offline. So our judgment's not there. Our boundaries aren't there. So healthy use of drugs and alcohol involves being thoughtful about when and where you use them. And if you are not using them in the right way, in the right place, in the right time, then you have a problematic relationship with drugs and alcohol and you should probably stop. You can't just keep saying, well, I keep having issues when I use, but I'm just going to keep doing it anyway. Not acceptable. Be thoughtful about when you use and with who you use, because that is sometimes all that it takes for those boundaries to drop, that executive functioning and judgment to come offline. Sometimes that, sometimes the infidelity would never have happened were drugs and alcohol to, not been, to have not been introduced. Again, you are still responsible because whatever you do while using drugs and alcohol, you are responsible for because you chose to use them. And we all know, and if you don't, here, here you now know, when you drink alcohol or take drugs, you are not at your highest level of functioning. Now you know. So if you choose to use, you're taking accountability for what comes next. And if you don't feel comfortable with that, put a pause or be more thoughtful about it. We don't want to let these things happen. And again, we're not trying to punish ourselves. And the solution to all this is not to have our partner start policing us because trust isn't built with policing and going through our phone and you know tracking our location. That's anxiety and it keeps anxiety alive. And that is not a way to practice trusting. Practice trusting by seeing a partner take accountability and responsibility. They start acting more transparent with what's going on and we let go and we practice trusting. And that's very hard. Because a lot of people will say to me, how do I rebuild that trust? We're going to talk about that in a minute. I want to cover one more point before we get away from how this thing comes to be. We also be, have to be thoughtful about the way we, uh, with ourselves, well, especially others, but also with ourselves, the way we talk about our partners. It's very easy after you've been with someone for a while to only focus on the negatives. We want to make sure when we're starting to do that, that we also say, hold on a minute, before I start comparing my partner to everyone else, let me also take some time to look at their strengths. Let me take some time to look at what, I'm, what I have gratitude for with them. Well, let me compliment them. 
literally sure, but more importantly to yourself to realize this isn't, this person isn't all bad. And by demonizing them or talking about all that's wrong with them, sometimes that's us giving ourselves permission to do something harmful because we're kind of saying they deserve it or it's okay. So really catch yourself when you're doing that. And if there are things you don't like and you're struggling with, you have to either move into acceptance of those things or sit your partner down and work through and resolve. But we want to make sure we're not completely making our partner all bad because that is a high risk situation. You want to call that out and round that out. It's very easy when we're away or frustrated to say, forget them, doesn't matter, to make up a whole storyline and then to do whatever we need to do to make it acceptable for us to mistreat the relationship in that person. And a special shout out to those that are the third party. If you're aware that the person you're with has a primary partner, yes, you are a part of that dangerous and violent act, meaning you are responsible for the outcome of your behavior. And even though you might be single, if you're part of someone else harming another, you are an accomplice to that harm. You are part of that system. It only is happening because of your presence and your participation. Don't be that person. Say, unfortunately, I'm aware you have a primary partner. I am not willing to be a part of that violence. I'm not willing to be an accomplice to that harm. And you hit me up when you're single because your integrity is shown based on your willingness to participate in that. You are not let off the hook. It is not, quote unquote, none of your business because you are single and they're not. No, it is your business because you're a participant. You're an accomplice to that. Let's all be better than that. Let's not be someone who's a part of that. Let's ask those questions. Let's set those boundaries. Let's ask for more for ourselves. Don't be a part of that. But on the other end, I also point out, if you're currently being you know, someone who's cheating, you are still responsible for the person you're cheating with and you can't just cut them out to heal your current relationship. You have to give them some closure and take some responsibility for that other relationship you started. We'll talk more about that after the break, so stick around for that. Um, you're listening to Loveline, Dr. Chris and Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around, y'all. We'll be right back. All right, y'all, we are back and we're just finishing up our discussion on cheating and infidelity. Before the break, I was calling out something that's hard for some people to hear. It's a really important thing to acknowledge that if you're in a relationship with someone and you're cheating on them, this um, third party, the person that you're cheating with, you have a responsibility to them. What happens sometimes is someone's like, all right, I'm going to stop cheating or I got caught and my husband or wife is like, all right, you got to get rid of that other person or whatever it is. Yes, true. Got it. But you don't just get to ghost on this other person. They're still a human and they're still worthy of respect and care even if they were someone you were seeing to cheat. And I want the injured party and the cheater to both acknowledge that person is a human and does deserve closure and communication. So the person cheating does have to go to that party and say, listen, here's what's going on. I had a primary partner. I'm sorry I pulled you into this. I am renewing my relationship. Unfortunately, I cannot continue to see you or talk to you. I'm gonna ask you to honor that. And then you say whatever you need to say. I'm not gonna see you again. I'm also gonna block you. And you let them know, and then you close that window and you shut that door, but you can't just disappear on that other person. You have to clean up all of your messes. You've pulled this other person in, even if they chose to step in. And being a good relational human being with ethics, you manage all of that. And again, if you're the person who's victimized because your partner has chosen to be, you know, cheating and, and infidelity and whatnot, you have to support that saying, yeah, this other person still gets to get some healing and some closure. It's really hard for a lot of people, but it's in there. Um, 
So again, remember, we're working on more open communication. The work in all of this is prioritizing your partner and your relationship always, but more importantly afterwards, uh, bringing back the stages of courtship and showing appreciation and focusing on love and not being too controlling and not being too critical because again, those are parts of setting up a relationship that someone doesn't want to be a part of, doesn't mind harming. And again, we want to make our relationship worth protecting. Like that's the goal and the responsibility of all parties involved. Make your relationship or marriage worth protecting. If you keep it worthy, it will be treated that way. That's totally 100% in there. Um, and again, just to kind of like close out, I guess, on this concept, if you're the person who was cheated on and you're saying, how do I re rebuild trust? Well, by the other person being more transparent, putting more energy back into your relationship and you as the person who was in this scenario on the receiving end, you start to move back towards all the things and behaviors you did beforehand. Start slowly introducing some of those things back to move us back towards what was before. Um, maybe at first you're willing to just share a bed with them. Cool. Maybe you're willing to sometimes cuddle. Cool, fold that back in. And then the next week you're like, what's next? Maybe now I'm gonna start allowing some making out and sexuality. Maybe I'm gonna start allowing date nights again. But if you wanna renew and keep that relationship, even though you were on the receiving end of the cheating, you were the victim, you still have to be a part of that solution. And your part is helping move the relationship back towards how it was or how you now instead want it to be. But you can't just dig your heels into and say, I'm doing nothing and I'm just gonna punish you and I'm gonna now name call. You don't have a right to get abusive because no matter what happened, no matter who did what, everyone has a right to be taken care of and respected. So I'm sorry that you were harmed, but you don't then get to harm your partner. You don't get to be a victim and then re-victimized. So you don't get to name call. You don't get to physically hit or slap. That's abuse. You don't get to verbally abuse. You don't get to throw things. You have to also find ways to be better with your emotions because everyone's feelings matter. There's no such thing as you've lost the right to your humanity because you cheated on me and now I'm allowed to abuse you. No, no couples therapist that is worth their value would support that. No healthy individual would support that. You still having been harmed, have to live and act from your integrity and still be loving and still move towards healing and still push that relationship towards what it is you want. So yes, that responsibility is on you. Um, you might not have started this, but you're, you're a part of it. It's part of being you know, a partner. So focus on all that, but bigger than that, this is a hard thing. And a lot of people cannot manage this on their own. That's why couples and sex therapists like myself exist because they can help you heal this and they can help you work through this. You might in the beginning need individual therapy, maybe at the same time doing couples, maybe just couples, just get into some kind of therapeutic process because you're gonna need some support. And be careful about what you read. There's some really crappy books out there because I don't support disclosure. You, I do not in any way, I wanna make this known, support you having, <clears throat> let me say it differently, I do not support the person who cheated giving you an itemized list of what, where, when, and how. You are setting yourself up to be triggered and traumatized if you find out where they ate, where they had sex, how they met. Every time you have to drive by to hear about it, you're triggered. There is nothing helpful in being, in being given an itemized list of what happened and where and how. That's a false sense of control. And I appreciate why we wanna feel in control. And we think knowing every single fact and detail will make us feel in control, but it's traumatizing. I do not support it. And no good couples therapist who works with infidelity would ever, 
ever support you doing a disclosure and itemizing everything you've done. And to the people that cheated, you still have a right to have boundaries and self-respect and you should never be offering that. That is not healthy for anyone. The only thing you need to disclose is whether or not your partner needs to go get STD tested because you might've set them up at risk for an STD or STI. That is important to talk about as hard as it is, but we should not be talking about what hotel, what sex acts. All you need to do is discuss whether or not your partner needs to get tested. Um, Maybe I'll talk about that down the road. There's more to it, but that's my elevator pitch on that. Coming up next, we're going to be doing some DMs. So if you got a question for us, topic you want us to hit, something you want us to drop deeper into, let us know. Put that in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Past episodes over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down for Loveline and click on it. Stick around, y'all. More to come. Listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame. Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Medela, the markable fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. All right, y'all, we are back. And uh, before we get to the DMs, just a really quick point. This is a little bit of a sound bite. Sometimes there's not. You know, sometimes something comes up that I don't think is worth putting a whole segment to or a whole show, but it's an interesting perspective. And I'm going to weave this back in down the road. So we'll revisit this. But I want to remind you that in a healthy relationship, a securely attached relationship, a relationship where we are wanting this person to be someone that we fuse with, um, remember that any solution has to be beneficial for both of you. If you're struggling with something and it's only beneficial for one of you, well, then it's not really pro-relationship. In a committed primary relationship, everything has to be equally beneficial. That doesn't mean that we don't compromise. That doesn't mean that we don't operate from a place of love. And love often means putting someone else's needs before your own. That is the definition of love. Um, you know, I know that someone's really honoring relationship and love and primacy when they are put out in, in service of the benefit of the person that they care about. It's a really beautiful, loving thing. So remember, you have to come up with mutually beneficial solutions. That's, that's always the goal. And again, we do want compromise. We do want people to put us first. We do want to put the other person first, but mutual beneficial outcomes are what we always kind of look for. And in compromise, don't, don't compromise if it's something that you are not comfortable with. Um, say we have to come back to that. We have to find a different solution, but compromise means I accept 
this decision and therefore I own it and therefore it becomes mine and I can't later complain about it or have resentment around it because it becomes my solution, becomes the choice that I make. And if I'm not ready to fully own it and embody it, then I need to say I'm not ready or we have to come back to this. Um, all right, time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. This one is a little bit like something we, I think we kind of answered a couple weeks ago, or at least it feels a little familiar. You know, again, maybe it's something that came up in my practice. It says, hey, Dr. Chris, what are your thoughts on the obsessiveness of the pursuit of muscular body types? Why are so many men trying to work on that ideal body, but not on their mental growth? Is it a byproduct of societal messages? Yes, 100%. Uh, I wish people took a day off from the gym and instead at least, in the very least, made that one day about mental health, emotional health, or spirituality. I wish we actually did that every day. However many days a week you put into the gym in your physical body, you should be putting in at least that much into your psychological and mental body. Because I got to tell you something, your gym body and your abs and your biceps have nothing to do with your quality of life. They do in that you feel like you can participate in culture in certain ways. You might have a higher market value. And that's meaningful in maybe the dating world. But outside of that, the important factors that really show up in terms of our relationship with family members, our ability to really engage in our career in the ways we want, our hobbies, and more importantly, as a primary, secondary, whatever kind of role we play in someone's life romantically and socially, it's all about our mental health. Those big biceps don't help when you're going through tough times, when there's grief and loss, when someone's dealing with job loss or the death of someone they care about, when you're dealing with relational conflict, has nothing to do with what happens in the bedroom, um, has nothing to do with the kind of partner you are, the kind of partner your partner will be to you. Your spirituality does, your mental health, your emotional health. So I wish we had more balance, but Again, we are a materialist, consumerist culture, and so we think of everything in terms of that, the material. We care more about the outside. Um, some people, when you ask them what they're looking for in a partner, that's all you'll hear them talk about. <laughs> Height, weight, how much they earn, how they dress. All of these things are form over character, but what really determines a successful, healthy relationship of all kinds with family members, colleagues, friends, loved ones, it's about the person you are, not the vehicle, your body that you move through the world with. So that's, I'm always proud of people that get into therapy. I'm always proud of people that have a spiritual practice. I'm proud of people that work on their mental health and all the various ways you can do that. Um, to I wish everyone else did as well. That's why a lot of the people end up in my office in marital therapy because they're not focusing on that. And at least they're coming in once a week to work on it, but it's a daily practice. You know, we're talking about getting eight hours of sleep a night. We're talking about getting eight glasses of water. We're talking about all sorts of things. Well, what are you doing for your mental and emotional health? And again, that impacts those around you. So working on that is an act of love, not just for yourself, but also for the people who have to interact with you. That old joke is, you know, a lot of people are in therapy because those in their life themselves won't go to therapy. Anyway, that is our show, y'all. Thanks for hanging out. If you got a DM for us, drop it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Questions, topics, things you want us to circle back to. And past episodes of the show, you can uh, check them out by heading over to wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline, click on it. You can binge, post, share, re-listen. Um, y'all be kind yourselves, but more importantly, be kind to those around you. Soften, soften, drop in the bar a little bit. Um, as always, y'all, thanks for hanging out, and you enjoy the rest of your night. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey.